There's something about us men that we tend to try to do things on our own. I really don't think that works very well often, no matter what the task is, but especially as an adoptive dad. We really need to learn from each other, support each other, and challenge each other when we need to in order for us to father well. I'm Kenneth Camp, and I'm your host for His Hands, His Feet podcast, and I'm glad that you joined me today because this is my next installment for the Dad to Dad episodes that I'm doing And I'm sitting down today and interviewing a good friend of mine, Marshall Lyles, and many of you know him as a therapist or counselor or maybe a mentor and teacher, and he is well sought after not only locally but around the country and even around the world. That's one reason why I appreciate him taking some time to just sit down with me, not as a counselor or therapist or teacher or mentor, but as another adoptive dad, and that's just talking very honestly and openly about the challenges and what we can do to do it well. You're going to love hearing Marshall's heart, and you're also going to laugh. We, we laugh through this whole thing. And as you'll hear at the beginning, he patiently has met with me more than once to get this done because of some challenges that I've had in recording and in getting this out to you. But I'm really excited about what you're going to hear. I know you're going to love it. This interview, Dad to Dad with Marshall Lyles. So I'm sitting here with Marshall, my good friend, and it seems like the last couple of times we've sat down, I've said the same thing, because this is, I think, take four to get this podcast done. <laughs> the first one, after I, we recorded and I was listening to it, it, Marshall really did sound like he was sitting in a trash can. And <laughs> my limited knowledge and ability, there's no way I could make that one work and so Marshall graciously agreed to come over again and we recorded once again and it was a fantastic podcast interview the content was great the sound quality was good and then something went wrong with the program that that I use audacity to do the editing and stuff and it just totally corrupted the file and I think the more I tried to save it the worse it got and so I finally gave up so I told Marshall, I emailed him or texted him, said, I am so sorry, but this is what's happened. And uh, so we put another date on the calendar, and then I had someone come over to paint our kitchen cabinets, and I, did, I decided it wouldn't be a good idea to fumigate Marshall, so we <laughs> rescheduled one more time. So thank you again. My pleasure, and I think the, the metaphor is building from me being in a trash can to... <laughs> Corrupted files and fumigation. <laughs> I think statements about my character are really trying to get to you, and, and you're just not receiving. Uh, well, thankfully, I've been around you enough, and so has my wife, that we know your character somewhat. So. <laughs> we will. We will try to now. Like my my goal on this one is to say enough things that you have to beat out that people now think we have an explicit rating. That's right. Instead of being able to click the clean rating, I'm going to have to be explicit on iTunes. But well, you know, this, the whole reason I, you know, I'm sitting down with Marshall is, you know, we're both adoptive dads and, and I began this series of uh, an occasional podcast that's just, I'm calling dad to dad. And, and I do, I want it to be authentic and, and even raw at times because I think as dads especially we can put off this air of hey I've got it all under control I'm okay I can handle this and and the reality is that we really can't we need each other 
to make this uh, work well. And so by me sharing some of my stories and and, uh, and sitting down with other dads like Marshall and sharing their stories, my hope is that dads who have adopted children uh, will look at what they can do to do this well. And so thanks again for doing that. Yeah, that's my pleasure. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in your world, and we can touch on that a little bit and how things are changing for you. But we, you know, we definitely want to give those that are listening just feel for your adoption journey we don't have to go in a lot of detail but just give them an idea of what your family looks like but those that know marshall know that they probably know you as a counselor or a therapist or a trainer teacher those kind of things and so that's not what we're sitting down if they want to listen to a podcast like that i do have one where we sat down and talked about what was it attachment styles that we as adults or parents bring to the relationship great great uh, podcast and hopefully we'll do some others in the future but this is just you and me as dads that's wonderful and terrifying I also want to say thanks because I know that you're not feeling real good. Your your back's real sore today. So I'm, I'm going to give the disclaimer if Marshall says something and I don't edit it out. Uh, <laughs> and you, and you're going, what in the world? Uh, just keep that in mind. I have, I've got all sorts of things, I think, now on the Internet written by or said by me that I yeah. fully have to claim. Part of part of knowing me is to know there's a degree of awkward that's just going to travel yeah. with me. Yeah, oh, I love it. That's that's why I like you. Well, just give people that don't know you, let us know what your professional background is and, and uh, what you're doing right now currently. Sure. So I'm a, a mental health professional, and I um, worked for many years at different sorts of agencies from children's homes to hospitals to faith-based counseling centers and that's where I was for the longest and most recent years and always working with families impacted by attachment trauma from you know all sorts of ways you know some a little bit of work with uh, refugee families others medical needs um, families and uh, most often adoptive families Mm -hmm. and so I did a, done a lot of work supervising and teaching and, and counseling, but now I am just a self-employed consultant and supervisor, and doing some writing and, and trying to finish my my last degree so I can figure out mm-hmm. what comes next. Yeah, exciting times. It is. It is exciting and. I spent an afternoon the other day making slime in my kitchen and (laughs) listening to my wife who was working from home that day doing all this, you know, smart sounding work on the phone. And I was like, my my job today is to make slime of different colors. And what a bizarre profession that I've chosen for myself. It's it's really nice. I have a... I have a good time. I'm, I'm feeling really um, free and relaxed oh, at this good. particular moment. Um, but I really, I, I feel like the second half of my career is coming up and I'm not exactly sure. I'm, maybe I'll teach. Maybe I'll write. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it sounds really good. Let's shift into a, a feel for your family. What's, what's your family makeup? Your immediate family. We're not going to get into the whole, you know, family war and stuff. We won't go there. So. I am <laughs> grateful for that. Um, when you come from East Texas, that gets complicated fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a great wife. We, uh, she's amazing. She's brilliant and 
a great mom, been married almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. It'll be 20 years next month. Oh, fantastic. And, yeah. And then uh, we have two incredible kids. Um, our daughter, who's 18, mm-hmm. just started college. And our son is 16. They came to live with us 14, I guess almost 15 years ago as foster children and been with us ever since. Um, so mm-hmm. clearly moved from foster to adopt. And that's our family, four of us. Wow. And they're siblings, is that right? They are. They're biologically um, siblings for the same birth mom. They would be upset if I neglected to say we also have a dog. Okay. Who is <laughs> kind of the primary unit on, around which our family revolves. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For most, certainly. Um, Angel calls the shots in our house. <laughs> but yeah, our, our two human kiddos come from the same bio, bio family and they have a lot of um, birth siblings, actually. They're, they're many, mm. many siblings. Yeah, that's a whole other story, how, how families navigate that. Yeah. Your kids are teenagers now, and, and they came to you as young kids. That's a whole fun time in, in itself. You can just kind of go through different seasons if you want to answer this question, but what is the toughest thing about being an adoptive dad or that you've experienced? Well, I, I think in one of our, our previous conversations, I talked about when the kids were really small and first came to us, um, just how completely unprepared you know we had done the classes and you know I, I fortunately because of my profession had had pursued a lot of theoretical right. training but the the day-to-day meeting of pragmatic needs mm-hmm. and and how you you weren't familiar with their language with their expression and so meeting needs really messily mm-hmm. and in really sincere attempts at trying to be present of, of it not paying off and it just felt so desperate and good and important and exhausting right uh, it, it was just um the most tired I've ever been in my life when when they, when they were really small um, and I just was crazy humbled about sure. knowledge does not equal automatic good parenting ability right because you had a lot of knowledge as you were saying yeah yeah I had been teaching parenting classes <laughs> as a 24 year old which in hindsight I just I can't imagine what these seasoned parents thought when they showed up to this room and met me for the first time. Uh, yeah, and luckily I, I never felt like I, I thought it was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't think I was prepared for how overwhelming it was going to be. And, and not even in, in ways that were just, you know, kind of traditional behavioral challenges, mm-hmm. just... The number of situations that I had never imagining, never imagined having to navigate. Yeah. Um, and then each time, every day, feeling like, when am I going to get traction here? Right. You know, when are we going to have a repeat day where I'm like, oh, I can nail this today. I was, I'm prepared from yesterday. Right. It was brand new every day. And, and it never really felt like I was getting to benefit from anything that, that I had marginally done well or even humbly mm. learned from. It, it it was tough early on. 
And, and you're saying that as someone, like you mentioned, that had the professional background and training. And then you and your wife also worked in a children's home, right, for a while. Yeah, so you had just, that experience. Just me. She, she oh, didn't okay. work there. But, the, you know, I was... I was very involved with the kids there, and they're from time to time they, for different reasons, you know, some of our kids from the home would be then in our home, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, it was uh, falsely <laughs> providing the security that oh okay, I'm I'm familiar. It's very different having an eight to five and right. an occasional crisis in an evening, right? Twenty four seven nonstop. Right. I'm supposed to be making all the judgment calls and just was not aware of how little I knew. Hmm. Remind me again, how old were they when they were um, first placed with our you? Our daughter had just turned four. Okay. And our son was about to turn two. Which is a tough age anyways. Yeah, I mean, the everyday parenting things, like with the what do children of this size eat? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how do you get them to sleep? Right. Oh, at, Bathing a child, like there are all these brand, like that. Yeah. I think all parents probably grow into that. We mm. were having to do all at once. Then on top of that, these heavy emotional mm-hmm. um, situations. That yeah, right. I, I remember one morning. I don't know why this memory just popped about popped into my head. My our son didn't sleep much ever, mm. um, and he wouldn't. You know, he wasn't talking yet when he came to us, but he was a ball of energy mm. and. When we would get up in the morning, you know, for many nights in a row, he would wake us up every night, Mm -hmm. um, middle of the night. We didn't sleep much. But then he started sleeping slightly more, but also feeling comfortable in the house. So he would get up as a two-year-old and do things in the house without us knowing. And I remember one morning coming out and he had gotten into the pantry and probably had eaten his way through a lot of things. But he had taken the boxes and and bags that food belonged in and decided that they were going to be great building supplies <laughs> and had just created all over the place this great oh, and waking up and the only thing i could think was how excited i was that he didn't wake us up <laughs> we were like yes we will take the mess he's feeling better now and just automatically feeling like Okay, there are going to be priorities here that were not the ones that I thought were going to be. Messes, sure. Um, food battles, okay. Right. We're gonna we're gonna let standards go. Yeah. Um, he feels safer today than he did yesterday. Mm. Moments like that that I felt were very instructive. Uh, yeah. to us more more than any book yeah I, I had read oh yeah i can recall it still happens today just the expectations i have as a dad continually change yeah and i can't one thing i let me know if you've been you were the same but i just i cannot i almost have to put blinders on i can't compare myself and the relationship and the and the results with anyone else around me. You can't. And not only can you, it's very dangerous to get into that because that's the, you know, that kind of comparison is the formula for shame in yourself and then passing shame onto your children. Right. Um, in the way that you parent. But um, not only do I have to be careful not to compare myself, but I have to not start thinking about how others are going to see and interpret mm-hmm. my parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that my my sole focus has to be the kid in front of me and what the mm-hmm. needs are um, and, and not start anticipating how people 
my yeah. view that I, I remember also when the kids were small, you know, how aware I was, how frequently I'd run into counseling clients in a grocery store mm-hmm. or at a ball game or what have you. And then, you know, we were the kid, you know, we were the family that had would have a kid having a meltdown, mm-hmm. throwing cereal boxes off the aisle in the grocery store and be like, I very well could not only have an audience, but audience of people who could even be my clients. Mm-hmm. And I having to set that aside and just be like, that's not the relevant data and deciding what I do next. Yeah. I have to see this kid. I actually had a story that. Yep, this is going to happen. I'm about to tell you this. Uh, <laughs> I've written, I've written about it, so it's not as if it's not out there. The spoken word is different. Um, we have a metaphor in my family that mm-hmm. has come out of that season that kind of describes this. It's, I have a lot of things, you know, that battle physically, but off and on, especially before I discovered all of the food allergies I have, my my stomach was chronically upset. I had mm-hmm. ulcers. I would I would and if I would get any kind of virus or or food poisoning, it was devastating and you know potentially hospitalizing. Yeah. And one after the kids came to live with us, um, there's one late in the night. I started getting ill, and it was it was terrible. It was and it was the kind of situation that normally you know we would just immediately go to the ER so that I could get some of the IV meds, and mm-hmm. otherwise I mean it's it's it was going to be problematic for me. But we now have these very small children, right? And so I had to call a friend. And it is a very vulnerable state for I have someone else see you right. as I was volunteering. And so this friend came and was driving me to the yard in the middle of the night. And I could, it was, you know, only a 10 minute ride. I could feel about three minutes in. Oh, mm. we're not going to make it. And the part of the world that we were living in up here at that time didn't have gas stations. And, right. you know, there, there was nowhere to stop. And I got sick. Mm all over this in every way you can imagine sick and so there was one place that we got to a Walgreens and I was like look I need I need I'm gonna have to do this alone because things are about to happen Mm -hmm. that um, I can't have you witness (laughs) and so I'm in the store trying to find clothes to replace what I'm wearing right and I found some like terrible t-shirt I think it was maybe uh, like a boy band (laughs) t-shirt I don't even remember and one pair of pants that were white sweatpants oh no that was all and I was about to have to trade in all of my clothes in this Walgreens bathroom and now walk out in white sweatpants and a very precarious south of the border situation happening right and I I remember thinking well here's a metaphor for me I am walking around in white sweatpants where anything is about to show. There is no hiding anything in my life right now. And so we still, in my life, like yeah. in our family, oh we talk goodness. about, oh, this is a white sweatpants moment. <laughs> Parenting our children when they were small, mm. and you just were like, sometimes things are going to show. And this is going to be embarrassing. And if my embarrassment oh, is bigger than the, the kids' feelings, then I am going to do a pretty bad job at this. Yeah. And so... Wearing the sweatpants, what are you going to do? Wow. I just used um, a diarrhea metaphor on your podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about how you feel about that. I am not going to edit that, Marshall. <laughs> it's going to stay right there. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, you know, that is such a great metaphor. 
And, uh, there's been times where I've done that okay. I've, I don't know if I've ever done it well, where I'm just like, hey, this is it. You know, I'm a dad, and, and this is how my child's acting. Am I going to be just out there? Or, yeah. you know, but and there's been many times where I've done it not so well. But it's, it is really hard to, first of all, develop the self-awareness yeah. of being able to monitor the state you're in. Um, because when we're in that place, we're reactive, and yeah. and it's really hard to notice mm-hmm. our motives and and what's fueling our parenting behavior. Mm-hmm. So that that's a shift that just requires a lot of cultivated humility that we're not often taught how to do. And that's true for any dad, even with their biological kids, where you know there's genetics involved, and you kind of almost have this. You do have this connection where you can you can understand a facial expression and stuff like that because you have them. Those things are true. Dads that do it well can live like what you're talking about, just being present and being self-aware. But you throw in child that you have no idea kind of their background, their genetics, their emotional makeup, any of that. Man, that, that stirs the pot up. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I often feel for parents who have internationally adopted because mm-hmm. then on top of that they may not even have a shared language right and then I mean yeah we know even having a common language not having the shared history of how that language has been used mm-hmm. is hard enough yeah but when you don't you don't even have the language in common in those early days mm-hmm. that, that's some tough stuff that, that you're navigating so what were you doing professionally at that time when these your two kids were placed with you. I was at I was at a children's home originally, and mm-hmm. then I'd moved into um, private practice where I was contracting with uh, CPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were busy, focused, building your career. It was, and, and um, Heather was also building her career, and so we were at that season, like mm-hmm. working opposite schedules, mm-hmm. and so that somebody could be with the children as much as possible. So I, once I moved into private practice, I was mostly seeing clients in late afternoon and evenings and, and she was working in early morning, midday shift. And so we Hmm. kind of traded off in those early years. Um, and then I started moving towards, um, uh, I I got a a more predictable day job Mm -hmm. um, when I, when I moved over to the center for relational care Mm -hmm. and that would have been about the time the children were, I'm guessing getting into later, mid to late elementary school. Okay. So after you adopted your children and they're getting older, what are some things that you remember about those years? And we can even take it up to present tense since they're kind of teenage years that were maybe struggles for you as a dad. Um, Yeah. You know, I think there there was the transition in the middle school years of really having a belief that I, I wanted my children to be able to be honest with me even about how they were perceiving me. Mm. But by the time they were old enough to really start taking me up on that, I then was having to deal with the amount of defensiveness that was showing up in me. Mm. Even it, it, it was a behavior I had invited, you know, that I had asked be, you know, trust me enough to give me the chance, you know, if there's something that I'm doing mm-hmm. that's hard or frustrating. And uh, just in those moments where they, they're like, okay, let's mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> I, gosh, I, I don't know if I had ever, uh, the journey towards overcoming defensiveness was probably the, mm-hmm. the hardest part of all of that. 
Yeah, we want to explain away our our behavior or response or reaction. I don't know why I did this, but a couple of years ago I asked. Yeah, we have a very expressive son. You know, he just turned seven, but he's been using complex sentences for years and very talkative. And one day he, he and I were here by ourselves, and we're sitting there. I think we were eating lunch or something. And I just asked him. I said, "What's something about me that you?" think I need to work on in our relationship or something, some question like that. And he didn't even hesitate. He was like, dad, you're too rough with me. (laughs) We went and kind of talked about that some more, but just my facial expressions, my tone of voice, how I'd react, not respond, react kind of gruffly. He didn't hesitate. He told me exactly. Yeah. God, if in the proper perspective, you know, and if if we take ourselves out of the moment and can look at that, it's like, how proud could I be in this moment that I've raised a child who is aware of what they need, who has the ability to communicate it, who trusts me enough to put it at my feet, and yet pride is not the thing that often shows up hmm. inside of me. As I'm a first response in that, I'm, mm. I'm not proud of them. I'm prideful, mm. you know, and I'm arrogant. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly didn't know that I had that much arrogance in me, um, <laughs> even as a human. Right. Until those moments started <laughs> happening. And I was like, God, you are cocky. <laughs> uh, what? What sort of belief system am I working your walking around with that I think there's nothing left for me to master in these moments? It was it was really eye opening mm-hmm. um, to me, and 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 even still, you know, we we have a lot of moments. My mm-hmm. my daughter texted last night a boundary that she needed to set, and just her language was so beautiful mm-hmm. about I'm hoping. This doesn't make you upset, but even if it needs to, I'm going to do the following thing because it's what I think is good for me right now. And and explained hmm. the impetus for her choice. Like, it was just so perfect. And, you know, initially, like, I, I scanned it as it came in, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to tell her that, of course. I'm like, oh, wait, just take a moment and realize hmm. how brave and transparent and healthy mm-hmm. that was and yeah. um, even though it didn't hit me like in, a, in any sort of way that I, I felt defensive in the moment I just I I then skipped over it you know yeah. as, as if okay great but I needed to go back and say to her I am so excited that you are able to be clear about mm. what you need and thank you mm-hmm. for trusting us with that so even though I didn't have a defensive reaction, I, I had no reaction for a second. Yeah. Like in order for her to be that brave again, she needs immediate feedback that that yeah. is welcome here. It's yeah. all a journey of continuing mm. to make sure that I have enough awareness uh, that I I, right. I can tend to the yeah. proper things. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. What kind of things help you to make those kind of decisions or those choices? Like, in other words, what helps you father well? Those are good questions. I think I am my most reflective with a glass of wine. That's <laughs> probably not a pragmatic thing that you are hoping to reinforce. <laughs> I'm sure that's a common parenting tool. <laughs> Being able and good personal therapy has been huge for me uh, to to make sure that 
I'm always monitoring mm-hmm. um, my own health. Having good friends who, the minute something gets hard, I know exactly who mm-hmm. can receive mm-hmm. a text, um, who on the spur of the moment would be willing to drop things to mm-hmm. to get to me, and and then taking not just having that awareness of vulnerability, but I, it's been a big lesson for me that that is not actually being vulnerable to mm. the, not just to know the relationship is there, but then to take advantage of it mm-hmm. and, and to show up and to say, you know, this is what's hitting me and this is where I'm struggling with. This is what I'm sad about. I'm, I'm usually better at talking about struggles than I am sadness. Interesting. It's been really hard for me to make sure that yeah. that's part of my my journey and taking care of myself is acknowledging when that makes sense to me. Yeah. Or scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd rather be punched in the face than tell somebody I'm scared. Of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm working on those things still, you know, all these years later, it's still part of what I, I found in to be important is to invest in those relationships and, yeah. and, and then to make sure that Heather and I are, are are talking about those things, you know how how quickly your experiences can become independent of one another, right? Um, and, and and saying, well, this was my perspective, and this was her perspective, and, mm-hmm. um, and not even like when we're disagreeing about what to do in a parenting moment, but making sure that we're understanding how something impacted each of us, right? That that, that requires out loud words you bet you know and I'm again I, I'm a lot better at listening than I am sharing right and that's an occupational hazard sure and an introvert trait mm-hmm. that's who you are and I can imagine those you're when you're describing how your schedules were flipped it just didn't organically happen you had to make it happen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and even today when y'all schedules are maybe more similar you still have to yeah you still have to choose mm-hmm. to you know, like you said at the beginning, I haven't been feeling well. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going to bed earlier in the last few days. And you mm-hmm. just start to notice very quickly about, okay, how quickly you can get out of routine of even having a meal together right. or what have you. And so having to just go a little bit further. I told her that a couple nights ago, I was like, you know what, I feel like it's important enough for us to spend time together that I'm willing to eat ice cream tonight. <laughs> I will just voluntarily get sick just to share some quality time with you. And she's like, I'm not really willing to sacrifice yeah. that. <laughs> it's the after effect yeah, that yeah. she's not uh, yeah. looking forward to. We're going to pass on that. But we, mm. have, we're, I feel like we're really fortunate. And uh, we have each other and we have good friends and we've mm. had amazing support both personally and then also professionally mm-hmm. all of those things had to be choices to take advantage of you know right and still things i have to choose every day and all those things do help to father well absolutely yeah those are good things yeah i i found this trick that i did when the kids are little that i've been back to doing lately of always having to remind myself that i'm still being parented mm-hmm. and and then becoming familiar with what sort of behavior as a child am I exhibiting towards God hmm. in any season. Um, lately, I've been very kind of tantrum-like in my, <laughs> my spiritual journey. And then having to 
acknowledge that and, and mm-hmm. let myself go back and kind of audit God's parenting response to my behavior and realizing that more times than not, I am either recreating or initiating the sort of relational struggle that might show up with me in a kid that it's spiritually very parallel to the way that I am treating mm-hmm. my father. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is, it's come back into something I have to sit in with some sensitivity. Right. Oh, it's very insightful. I'm doing some self-reflection as you're talking about it. Well, Marshall, what's one uh, word of encouragement that you would give adoptive dads as we're winding down here? I live in a world of, and professionally, of, of finding use in metaphor and finding meaning in metaphor. You and I are always talking about all my sand tray stuff and mm-hmm. art and and what I found is that metaphor is this amazing way for me to keep finding meaning out of a concept that uh, that it's a safe way to approach it. And so, you know, whenever you're trying to develop some awareness about what what's this season of growth look like or what's the thing to be celebrated or what's something that you're needing to seek out and learn more about in yourself. If you can find a way to illustrate that in your mind, metaphorically, then it will just be this thing that you return to because you're not so avoidant of the metaphor as you might be of the concept itself. And it becomes a a beautiful way to pursue perspective and insight and growth playfully. And also, I think... You know, how many times as have we seen in wisdom in all forms, it's taught mm-hmm. through metaphor, mm-hmm. you know, seen to nature or discussions about parallel relationships. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to sit in it and, and then the meaning comes over time. So for me, you know, we started with white sweatpants, <laughs> but even <laughs> less vulnerably, you know, I've been coming back into imagining trees by rivers lately because that's just something that shows up so poetically in, in the wisdom literature mm-hmm. spiritually and otherwise right. and so I've just kind of let that keep coming about you know what's that tree look like today yeah. and what's that river running like today and right. it has kind of become a way that I'm checking in with myself mm-hmm. um, whereas I may not be that good at it straightforwardly you know having the beautiful distance that a metaphor provides mm-hmm. is, is a base for me lately that would be one thing I would encourage everybody Yeah, to join me in. And then before you know it, you've written a story, and it's something you can tell your kids. Yeah. This has been very good, very insightful, even though this has been our third attempt of sitting down and talking. It's different every time. I've got to have the benefit of hearing all the stuff that you've talked about. You were just waiting for a good diarrhea story so that you could finally run I knew you'd get to it eventually, so I wanted to make sure that we got it this time. To know me is that we are going to talk about poop eventually. That's just going to happen. Uh, well, sometimes that's just that's what being a dad is. You know? <laughs> what a tagline for your podcast! Oh, that's oh, an episode man. title cemented, right? There. Well, Marshall, thanks again. I appreciate it, and you're a good friend. And thanks for coming and sharing. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, we might have to label these dad-to-dad episodes as uncensored in some way, but really, honestly, I love it when another dad, another adoptive dad, will sit down with me and be vulnerable and authentic about what it's like to walk this journey. 
I hope that if you are an adoptive dad and listening, that this encourages you and gives you some food for thought and maybe even challenges, challenges you to father well. We all want to do that. And if you know other adoptive dads, would you please forward this podcast to them? If you want to know more about Marshall and the work that he does and how maybe you can get in touch with him and learn more from him, I have his information and his contact information on my website. And all you need to do is type in kennethacamp.com slash episode 37. That's kennethacamp.com slash episode 37, and it'll take you straight to the page that has this podcast interview along with my takeaways, the show notes from the interview, and then Marshall's information. And then one other thing, if you'll do this for me, and this is on that page as well, is how you can go to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, and do a rate and review. If you would do that, I would greatly appreciate it. It will bring more attention and traffic to His Hands, His Feet podcast, and that would bless me. So again, thank you for joining me, as always, here at His Hands, His Feet. Until next time.